so happy to have you with us this week on the show for a really great conversation with a previous guest. I am thrilled to bring back to join you today, Dr. Tracy Gappen, MD, a board-certified urologist and world-renowned men's health and performance expert. We're digging in today on aspects of men's health, the impact of our environment, and just what men can expect to enjoy with small lifestyle changes that add up to have huge impact. So this one's for the men in the audience, the women who love them, and I know you're gonna get a lot out of this conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Living in a stressful world doesn't mean you have to give up on happiness. Instead, you can shift your perspective of stress and discover how to live your life in flow. Welcome to Happified. I'm your host, Susie Vine. Join me for inspiration and interviews with folks who are shining their light in the world in the areas of positive mindset, health, and wellness. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome back. I am thrilled to have you with us this week. And my guest returning to join us for another show. I'll have a link in the show notes for my previous conversation with Dr. Tracy Gappen, MD. He is a board-certified urologist, world-renowned men's health and performance expert, and the founder of the Gappen Institute, the global leader in high-performance health. He's the author of Male 2.0, Cracking the Code to Limitless Health and Vitality, and was a speaker on TEDx West Monroe, addressing the men's health crisis. He has over 20 years experience focused on providing executives, entrepreneurs, and athletes a personalized path to optimize their health and fulfill their highest potential. Dr. Gappin, thank you for joining me. I know you're a very busy guy. Susie, thanks so much. Always fun to spend some time with you. And in our last conversation, and I'll try not to cover the same ground too much. So as I already mentioned, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. We really dug into some of the things that keep men from doing what needs to be done to have optimal, right? And in your experience as a physician, recognizing that when there's disease to cure, that's really the sweet spot of Western medicine, but how do we thrive? And what is the secret behind that? And now, as you've been digging in over these past few years into what's really an epidemic in men's health, I'd love to hear what you're turning your attention to or where you're digging in right now in terms of the best way to support your patients. Oh, sure, thanks so much, great start. I spent 20 plus years in traditional allopathic healthcare. I was a busy urologist. I was doing robotic surgery every day, taking out kidney stones, treating prostate cancer. Any man with men's health issues related to disease, that was where we focused. And I became very disillusioned about halfway through my career when I realized that we're very much stuck in this disease model mindset. And I had developed this high performance paradigm, if you will, where instead of going from the far end of the spectrum of disease and illness and symptoms, and then just getting you to neutral to baseline to free of disease, what if we can actually focus on reaching an optimized state? What if we can help men with the real complaints that they're always searching for solutions for? And that is, I want to have more energy and focus. I want to burn fat, build muscle. I want to have better sex. And what do I got to do to live not just longer, but better? And it comes out of those really basic, simple complaints, requests, demands. And what's interesting, Susie, is looking back in my two-decade career in traditional medicine, we didn't have solutions for any of those questions other than here's some testosterone, here's a blue pill. 
and it's failing. And so that's why we're experiencing this men's health crisis that I believe does not get the attention it deserves, where we're seeing testosterone levels plummet. We are seeing that free testosterone levels are about half of what they were 20 years ago, which is massive. We're seeing massive increases in obesity where over three quarters of men are either overweight or obese. We're seeing infertility, fertility rates about half of what they were 20 years ago. And we're seeing, seeing a massive mental health crisis as well, where depression has reached epidemic proportions. And so I think we need to take a very different approach to men's health and no longer settle for this disease-based mentality that clearly is not working. And we can really see a dramatic shift within just the last few decades. And that's shocking to hear how much yeah. just in the last 20 years yeah. we're seeing these levels drop. And I'm hearing about the epidemics of infertility. You know, I just heard yesterday on the news, now this will be a couple of weeks old by the time this podcast is published, but that insurance providers now nationally will be supporting fertility treatments as opposed to leaving it by state or to the providers. It's a movement that's happening because fertility is in such a crisis. And and I think there's always the question, what what question are we trying to answer? Is it how do we promote fertility or is it why has the fertility changed so dramatically yeah. in the last few years? And I know in, in some of your work and in this more comprehensive approach to healthcare, you're really encouraging your patients to look more at their lifestyle. And how do you feel that that can be related to this problem of testosterone levels dropping as drastically as they are? Yeah, you're spot on there that what we're talking about here is referred to as epigenetics, right? Epigenetics is simply the science around how your lifestyle, your behavior, your environment directly affect genetic expression, which means directly affects physiology. And so we know from numerous studies that uh, many environmental factors can affect testosterone production. The food that we eat. Our crops here in the U.S. are sprayed with a chemical called atrazine. It's an herbicide. It's the second most commonly used herbicide behind glyphosate. And atrazine has been shown to have devastating consequences on testosterone production. We can look at our drinking water. Our drinking water has massive levels of synthetic estrogen. Where is that coming from? It's from women's birth control that, that our typical water treatment centers cannot filter adequately. And so... I like to jokingly say that men are on birth control because we're drinking massive levels of this estrogenic compound that will stick to, it'll bind to the androgen receptor. And that's how testosterone gets into a cell to have any physiologic effect. And so when you can block that receptor, now you can no longer have the benefits of testosterone, which is low to begin with because of the other chemicals. We can look at personal care products, deodorant, sunscreen, laundry detergent, shampoo, so any chemical that you're putting on your body, these chemicals have some effect on testosterone, some more than others. And so it's all around us. We haven't even touched on our behavior like you know stress and nutrition and sleep, et cetera, which can have a profound effect. These are simply the chemicals and toxins in our environment around us. And so it's important that we really recognize them and look at ways that we can minimize the, those exposures. Yes, thank you for that. Definitely some new insights and information there for me as well, as much as I've been 
really paying attention to the influence of stress and how our environment can contribute to that overall load. Yeah. Um, and we're aware of fragrances and plastics and all of that. And certainly to think of the contamination in our water supply, what we're aware of mm -hmm. beyond what is still not really recognized. And it can be really overwhelming. And there is another great conversation that I've had with Dr. Ailey Cohen, who specializes in environmental health and influences. And so I'll link that for sure. Because as much as she's a font of information, she also wants very much for people to not feel overwhelmed. But it's just so important to get an idea of where the, we're making choices that have a huge impact in our health. And yeah. it's the little choices that add up. It's our buying practices. It's right. the things that we're aware of as much as the things that we're not. And so knowledge is power. And we can start making better choices when we understand that there are even choices that we need to be making. Absolutely right. And you know, talk about the micro decisions that we make every day in relation to exposures that you're talking about. Micro decisions in terms of sleep hygiene and how we set ourselves up for sleep. Micro decisions around your workout. You know, today after our interview, I have my calendar blocked out for two hours and I do this several times a week where no one can touch me and that's my time to work out. And it's about making those micro decisions and setting up your life for success. And it starts with those little things you do each and every day. Well, I love that. Thanks for being an advocate for, I call it self-first scheduling because yes. we need to put those little things, right? Yes. The time it takes to commute, the time it takes to get our activity in mm -hmm. so that they aren't always being overwritten in our calendar. So That's way right. to be a poster child for that. <laughs> That's right. Exactly right. And so where are you saying, and you also mentioned too, the impact of sleep and exercise and where do you see men coming to you? Because I think it's our, the way we've been trained to expect to interact with doctors when they come into your office and they're saying, here's the problem or doc, my wife is complaining well, about this. Yeah. What can you give me to fix it? Right. Do you mm -hmm. get resistance when you start asking them to look a little more deeply to their lifestyle and their habits? Yes. Men are simple creatures. Okay. We want that magic bullet that I can take to fix everything so that I can just go about my life. And <laughs> it's important that men recognize that there is not a magic bullet. You know, guys are looking for the magic solution that they think is testosterone. Most common issue, guys come in, yeah, I'm having low energy. I'm, I can't burn that belly fat. I'm not having great sex. Can I get some testosterone? Yes, and it's important to recognize that we have this complex human operating system that has a lot of inputs, right? We have over 50 hormones besides testosterone, it's thyroid, it's DHEA, it's vitamin D, it's nitric oxide, it's estrogen, it's progesterone, it's leptin. It goes on and on and on, 50 hormones that we can look at. And so we can't just focus on testosterone. But then we have to recognize that, Joe, what you're eating is directly affecting all those symptoms as well. And so if you just do testosterone and just do these hormones, you're missing out on these other massive inputs to your system your gut, you know, the microbiome, which is the balance of the good bugs and bad bugs in your gut directly affect immune function, energy, mood, metabolism, neurotransmitter production. And so you got to look at the gut stress. We know the amazing work that you do focused around how do we overcome the negative consequences of stress and view stress in a good light and a positive manner can have a big impact. How do we address, as we mentioned a moment ago, sleep as well. And all of these factors can definitely come into play when we're looking at those issues that men are coming in for. And we can't be short-sighted thinking that there's just a magic bullet. Absolutely. And it doesn't feel as sexy to think, oh, 
do I have to like really examine how much I'm sleeping and mm -hmm. do the sleep math? And when do I need to put myself to bed, right? I tend to feel like a cranky toddler when bedtime comes and I'm like, I don't want to, it's my turn now. <laughs> right, I too um, much to do. Exactly. And with time in practice, making these small changes, you know, as we've already said, you don't have to make all of the changes at mm -hmm. the same time, but with every choice that you make, you're writing that new course for yourself. Right. That's right. And really yeah, increasing I love your that. resilience. I love that. Yeah. And you talked a little bit about the many hormones and aspects to our system. And I love the analogy of thinking of it as like a thermostat control, right? This affects this. And we're just modulating these dials when our hormonal system is in balance, when it's well-regulated and when it's not getting a lot of external influence yeah. from our environment. And so I know within your practice, you like to take a really holistic approach. So how do you begin working with men? How do you demonstrate to them the impact that all of these little aspects add up to create in their lives? Yeah, great point. I look at it from a systems biology perspective, meaning that we need to look at every aspect of our system that is affecting that output. And so it starts with advanced diagnostics, understanding, I call them hidden blind spots in your health that you don't even know were there, but they're causing major issues. I love to point out this example that I think drives this point home, Bob Harper. Bob Harper is the lead fitness trainer on the TV show, The Biggest Loser. And my team is probably sick of me telling the story, but it's so powerful that at age 51, he had a heart attack. He almost died. That guy looks like he's the epitome of good health. And we all aspire to look just like him. And he has a heart attack. And he was interviewed after that, and he talks about how there were things going on inside my body that I didn't even realize were there. And so I think it's a great example of how diet and exercise alone are not enough. Yes, they're critically important. I'm not going to minimize that. And we need to look at everything else as well. And so it starts with advanced diagnostics, and then I take a very individualized approach. So what are the functional tests that we can do to help understand for you in particular what's right for you? So you see all these Twitter wars over the perfect diet and all these people battling over take this supplement, that supplement. Well, the answer is it depends on your unique physiology, your unique human system, your genetics to understand what's right for you. And so that's where the individualization comes in and we can use functional tests and we can use genetics and we can use wearable technology to understand exactly what we need to do for you that's often different than the person next to you. And then we can start to incorporate precision lifestyle strategies. Susie, we know what to do. Guys know I got you got to exercise. You know you got to eat well. You know you got to sleep. But when guys feel like crap, and this applies to women as well, your bad habits tend to bubble to the surface, and you don't have the drive, the motivation, the incentive to really do the hard work, right? And so this is why I believe when I work with clients, the reason why I believe we get the success we do is we start with hormones. Because when you correct hormones, you're able to then get that client to be motivated, to be driven, to start to make those changes as well. Yes, lifestyle is absolutely important, but sometimes you can't get someone to make those changes until they feel like they're ready to. And so it's putting all those pieces together and it's not easy. But that's why we do the work that we do, because a lot of people can't do it on their own.
Well, and I've had that conversation with clients, certainly, that it's hard to change your lifestyle, your mm -hmm. habits and behaviors when you're already, you feel like the gas tank is empty. And so I think that's so empowering to, to be able to get the full picture, mm -hmm. to get that information, to say it's not just you. It's not a matter of laziness. It's you can be trying to eat all the right foods, but our food supply is depleted, right? So what are the right supplements for you? Where can your hormones be supported until your body's able to bring them back into balance? Yeah. as it's healthier and more whole. And just hearing how having the thyroid levels balanced, looking beyond just the initial number on the report and getting the full panel and looking at the full spectrum and bringing these hormones back into balance. There are so many that affect our energy, our mood, mm -hmm. our sleep, and all of that has that cascading effect. So I hope that provides some hope for people who feel frustrated or like they've failed in this before and why try, it's just not for me. I really just need the right medication. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's not to suggest that medications, supplements, molecules, peptides, whatever it may be, not to suggest that those will replace lifestyle because they don't. They're a part of a comprehensive approach, but sometimes those are helpful just to get people in the right direction. Yeah. Exactly. Feeling like you have energy again so that you might actually enjoy the exercise that right? you're undertaking. That's a that's total right. game changer, right? You're not dragging yourself through no, that's right. the entire day. Yeah. Nice the other thing I, I think it's worth recognizing as well is you mentioned the lab results and how you know your doctor will look at them and see if they're abnormal. It's important to recognize that when you look at the right side of your lab slip and you see that reference range on the right, and this applies especially to testosterone, to thyroid, to some other key hormones that we look at, you see this reference range and your primary care doctor, and I was guilty of this for many years myself, we're trained to look at that number and if it's in that range, if it's black instead of red, then you're fine, you're good, and you're, God, I hate this freaking word, normal. And I hate that word normal because what is normal? that reference range is important to recognize is not what's optimal, not where you should be. It's nothing more than the average. It's the average of the population. That's all it is. LabCorp Quest, they'll do a billion testosterone levels, let's just say, or a billion thyroid tests. And what's the average? That's the median. And if you go two standard deviations statistically above and below that median, you get this range and that's your reference range. It's just the average of the population. We know from several massive longitudinal studies that looked at men and those studies with women as well over 10, 20, 30 years, we know that testosterone levels, specifically free testosterone, is down by almost 50% from what they were 20 years ago. 50%, that's a fact, that's not a lie, that's not subjective, that's not debatable. So then if you think about that and then look at this reference range, recognize that range is half of what it was 20 years ago. You see how we're just lulled into this false sense of complacency and being told we're normal, we're fine when we're just plain not. And we're looking for other solutions rather than asking that million dollar question. You know, it feels like we're just watering down the data. Don't worry, you're not that far out of the norm because everyone else mm. is here. And we hear often the statistics on obesity, but when you say three quarters of men are overweight or obese, it really brings it home. We're getting into this level of complacency all the way around. Yeah. You know, what our lifestyle looks like, 
oh, another friend has cancer. You just keep hearing it and you think, oh, it's just not that much out of the norm. It's everywhere. I'm almost the exception. If I do make time for exercise, if I do these things, if I'm moderate in my alcohol intake, isn't everyone numbing out? Right? <laughs> still, yeah. three years after COVID, we're still leaning on that excuse. Yeah. And so I think that's really important to recognize. We might not be able to ourselves flip back through books and say well, our testosterone normal range used to be this 20, 30 years yeah. ago. And this is now all we aspire to. Yeah. But again, to your point, genetics versus epigenetics, this world that we're living in and the lifestyle that we've become indoctrinated within is mm -hmm. just, we're just settling for less. And it really is heartbreaking. So I love that yeah. you're taking the stand that you are and not only saying you deserve to be healthy, but high performance. And so what's some of the shifts that you've seen in some of your patients who come to you when they maybe even surprise themselves yeah. moving through the transformation? Yeah, I've seen guys where brain fog lifts and they're able to suddenly accomplish things that they couldn't before. And I've seen that from correcting hormones. I've seen that from cleaning up microbiome. One guy, very powerful, we fixed his hormones. It just wasn't thinking clearly. And he's a race car driver, actually, this client I'm thinking of. He's a high-level race car driver, and he felt that it was affecting his decision-making on the track, which is a pretty big deal, right? Yeah. You're driving 150, 200 miles an hour. And so we found for him that from issues with his microbiome and gut health, he developed food sensitivities to bananas and coffee of all things his report of his 250 items on this report it showed up bananas and coffee and guess what he was having for breakfast every morning bananas right. and coffee it's easy it's fast yeah. who has time to slow down and so what's key is <laughs> this is when we talk about individualization that i'm not here to tell everyone that you can't have bananas and coffee for breakfast what i'm going to tell you is that for you we can find the individual things that are getting in the way and so for him when we stopped those two things it was like a light switch went off or on, if you will. And he was able to suddenly think clearly, sharply. And he said it, it changed his life, it changed his career. I've had men where they can't lose weight, 10, 15 pounds of belly fat. They tried everything and you fix the hormones. That's often the answer. But then I've often seen it's microbiome issues, gut health issues that are affecting that as well. And so you clean up the gut, get rid of candida, get rid of mold, get rid of the dysbiosis, which is the overgrowth of the bad bugs. And suddenly they're able to lose weight that they couldn't before. I've used continuous glucose monitoring, CGM, on many clients where we have found that there are foods they're eating that are massively affecting their blood sugars without them even realizing it. And they're going through life with high blood sugar, which raises insulin, which makes you store that as fat. And they're wondering why they can't lose weight. They wonder why they have low energy. And so these are just examples of hidden blind spots that until you do the diagnostic testing, you're never going to find it. And thank you for bringing up the continuous glucose monitors. It's something that I had the opportunity to experiment with earlier this year, and it was really insightful to see the impact of different foods, the impact of stress. A friend of mine is type one diabetic and he was an early adopter. I'm very fortunate to be at the front edge of this technology, but he explained to me as I was talking with him about stress and blood sugar that his monitor would go off. He would get an alarm as he was preparing for a job interview, just to draw that really there direct correlation to yeah. the impact of cortisol on our blood sugar, or I'm sorry, stress on cortisol yeah. and therefore our blood sugar. Absolutely. And so it's so interesting 
insightful. And last time we were together, we were talking about wearable tech and I brought to you this question that I had heard rumblings about, well, is being too plugged into our current state all the time, does that create anxiety? And I was so glad that you said, not in the way that we need to worry about, right? Knowledge is power. And so even in these last two years, I've got my Garmin watch on, you know, to be able to have that insight into the impact of certain food mm. is so insightful. And it doesn't have to impact the way you're operating your daily life. You can just get these insights and decide what right. you want to do with this That's information. Right. That's exactly right, yeah. And when it comes to the, the CGM tracking, what I will find is often men don't eat nearly enough protein. And data is powerful. You know that when you see numbers, suddenly it's going to help drive you to make the right choices. And so yeah. when I can show a client how their blood sugar levels are massively impacted by their diet, but then when they're eating enough good quality protein before the carbs, it has a massive difference on their blood sugar. And so that helps get guys to focus on getting enough protein intake so that they can help better balance macronutrients. And that's going to have a better outcome when it comes to energy and performance, et cetera. And that's so funny. It's protein is again, one of those big buzzwords we all hear. We need to have more protein, especially we're getting older to fight muscle mass loss mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. And I think, oh, there's just this, like, how could we not be getting enough protein? But you're so right. Whether it's just not in balance with the other macronutrients that we're eating yeah. or just not getting enough quality, yeah. clean protein in our that's diet. Right. That's right. Yeah, I would say most men are deficient and a way to, to gauge if you're eating enough protein, I can tell you're not to anyone because it's so hard to eat enough protein. You want to have about at least 0 0.8, 0 0.82, 0 0.85 grams of protein per body weight in pounds per day. And so if you weigh 100 pounds, that's 80 grams of protein. If you weigh 200 pounds, that's 160 grams of protein. That's a lot of protein especially if you're trying to do intermittent fasting, et cetera, as well, in those three meals a day, you're going to have to really pack in the protein. And so that's why most guys need to be eating at least 40, 50 grams of protein per meal. And it's not easy to do, but it's going to have a massive impact on metabolism, on energy, blood sugar regulation, and ultimately the goals that you're trying to achieve. Wow. Yeah. That when you break it down that way, that is, that's significant because what do they say that palm size portion? Is that about yeah, that, four ounces. Yeah, so in general, you, you look at a palm-sized portion of protein, a palm-sized portion of vegetables, palm-sized portion of a carb, but in general, that tends to not be enough protein, so you often need to augment that as well. And yeah, I've gotten away from using the palm-sized guide. <laughs> what I do recommend are using. I'm I'm obsessed with data and metrics and tracking, and you can track your intake with apps like Chronometer and My Fitness Pal from Under Armour. That's a great one as well. But I love chronometer in that you can put in your food and it'll tell you your caloric intake. It'll tell you your macronutrient breakdown. It'll tell you your micronutrient intake. And it's really powerful to understand where you are. And you'll often underestimate how much carbs you're eating and overestimate how much protein you're eating. And so that kind of helps get you on track. Awesome. Excellent. Yeah. So we'll make note of those in the show <laughs> notes so people can refer back. Love those tech tools and companions that are just easy to maintain rather than the good old journal. That's right. Keeping track of our food and then doing math. <laughs> exactly. What are some ways in which, and we've been talking about epigenetics a lot. And as we learn more about our genetics and the unique way that we are all designed, you know, there are some standards of epigenetics having clean food and air and water, having quality sure. sleep, the lifestyle benefits. But 
What are some ways that you're seeing people be able to worry less about the genetics? Now that we're queuing into that, we've got 23andMe, we're like, oh, but we see the issues in our preceding generations. How are you helping people recognize that? Obviously, some of the standards are there, but moving away from that concern about this is just what, you know, my father carried weight, my mother yeah. carried weight. This is just how we do. Yeah. Most people have heard the phrase, your DNA is not your destiny. And what that really means, that catchphrase means that just because your parents had something, just because it may be in your genetics does not mean that it has to happen to you. For example, uh, we could look at cholesterol. I think last time I talked about APOE, which is really the saturated fat intake and stuff. But this time I think I'll bring up cholesterol numbers. So there are markers, there are cholesterol LDL markers that are inherited genetically from your parents. One of the, the diagnostic tests that we will include in our panels is LP little a, and that stands for lipoprotein A. And LP little a is a subtype of LDL that can be inherited from your parents and it increases cardiovascular risk. And you cannot really modify that with lifestyle typically. And so it's a great marker of what your parents gave you that you can't necessarily control. However, what studies have shown is that even with a high LP little a, if you are able to, through lifestyle behavior, control your LDL particle count, which is the key marker, control your apolipoprotein B or ApoB, which is the count of non-atherogenic particles, way more important than total cholesterol LDL. When you're able to get those under control, that LP little a doesn't really matter as much. And so it's an example of how just because you're inheriting stuff from your ancestors, from your parents, it does not necessarily mean that it's going to be the same outcome for you as well. And I think that's really important to recognize as somebody who has cardiac disease in the family. That's mm -hmm. where I'm at now, right? Yeah. I can't skate as much as I used to. So I'm really digging into what are all of the ways that I can optimize my health uh -huh. so that I hopefully don't have to be on medication yeah. the way that right. everyone else in the family has <laughs> resigned themselves to maintaining. Yeah. So yeah, it's so helpful and insightful to recognize that, to mm -hmm. say, this is where we're starting from. And so maybe these are the choices that we're going to make that somebody else doesn't have to, but we can manage it. That's on right. Own. Exactly right. With the right guidance. <laughs> With the right guidance and support, of course. And so at the rate at which we're finding out and we're making these connections in terms of restoring health, enjoying optimal health, I think too, because the boomers affect absolutely everything. And as they are moving into their later years, we in Generation X, you know, right behind them are kind of reaping the reward of a little more attention to this process of aging mm -hmm. and optimal well-being. What are some things that you're seeing come out now that are kind of new or some milestones in terms of health and longevity that we can be excited about or just have our eyes open to? Yeah, great point. So the space around longevity, the science around how do we extend lifespan is moving at an exponential pace right now. And it's very exciting that we are seeing advances in how do we measure aging, first of all. And so we have ways that we can measure biologic aging. So chronologically, you know what your birthday, that's easy to calculate, but we can actually measure biologic age. And by that, we, can, we mean we can measure physiologic age. And so through marks on your DNA, this has been validated to correlate with your actual age, your biologic age, your physiologic age. And we can use this as a tool to understand 
if what we're doing is working or not. Are we aging faster or slower than we should right now? And thirdly, this is really a new tool fact, is now we can understand why and how it, our biologic age is being affected. Ah. And so by understanding that, now we can really make the key changes that we need to affect the aging process. And so number one, we have a really clear understanding now on how can we measure aging. And there's new tools that are coming out, it seems, every week on ways to detect aging process. The second thing is we now understand why we age. So there are hallmarks of aging, and I'm not going to go into the sign, the, the nine or depending, 10, depending on who you ask, hallmarks of aging. But we have a really clear understanding of what are the actual scientific causes of the aging process. And that's the first step in understanding how to reverse it, right? And then third is, what are the ways that we can affect each of those pathways? And there are molecules coming out all the time. There's all kinds of gene therapy coming out. There's all kinds of supplements. And um, we can look at rapamycin. We can look at all these amazing molecules that um, may have real impact on the, the field of longevity. Some people out there are claiming that we're going to live to 150 very soon. I want to, yeah, <laughs> I'm a realist. I want to say that Yes, at some point, we're going to extend lifespan. Will it be that much? I don't know. I think that's incredibly optimistic. I think that we will see incremental change where maybe in the next 10 years, we'll see a few years increase. And then maybe the next 10 years, we may see a few more years increase. I think it's going to be probably incremental for a while. And maybe at some point, there will be some magical discovery. But we're definitely seeing movement in that field. And I think our children are going to really see advances by the time they're adults for sure. So that's really the most exciting area right now is around how can we impact the aging process. And it's exciting. Yeah. That is really exciting. And again, as we've been saying, you know, having access to this knowledge is so empowering to help us shape our choices right. and not just to get a really good look at our biological age as a benchmark, but as you said, to check back on our progress mm -hmm. is what we're doing working. Are these the changes right. that your body's looking for? Do we need to keep digging? That's right. So that is really exciting. Yeah, for sure. And given that over the last few years or over the last decade, our life expectancy actually fell back a bit to mm -hmm. be recovering is good news. But again, my question is always quality of life, right? So we want to be enjoying all of our years. We don't want to just be prolonging life, but then having more medical intervention propping us up along the way. And so that really is the million dollar question to be able to look at the quality as well as the health of those telomeres in our DNA. So that is exciting. That's right. Yeah. Get even more perspectives. Yeah. That's really the concept of health span that when we talk about living five, 10 years longer, let's just say, we don't want to be like what our great grandparents might've looked like at a hundred. We want to be like we are now at a hundred. And that's really the key. Otherwise there's no point in just extending or prolonging the end of life. And we know that in general, the way that we're going to be able to extend health span and lifespan is going to be to prevent you from developing the chronic disease that will cause a rapid deterioration and decline in your health and ultimately, you know, mortality. It's not going to be extending that ill state. It's going to be preventing the ill state. Exactly. And I hear numbers right now that just make me so nervous about the number of adolescents that are on medications to manage chronic illness. And mm -hmm. so to your point, we want to maintain our well-being as we move through our midlife years. But for our younger generations who are approaching adulthood with already this kind of entourage of situations mm -hmm. of overweight, diabetes impacting people so much younger, cardiac health issues so much younger in our youth. Yeah. 
going back up the chain in our conversation to looking at our lifestyle, I always think it's really important to look at the changes that we're making for ourselves and how those benefit our younger generations, right? As we have children growing up to be adults and recognizing how much we care about our health and well-being, that's such an important lesson for them to have younger and not wait until there's issues that need to be resolved, but to put that importance into enjoying their wellness. Yeah. And, you know, what's exciting is to think not just about the advances that we can apply to ourselves. I'm, I don't know if you can tell, I'm 82 years old. I don't know if you can tell. Biological age 30. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it's exciting to look at what we can do to ourselves now to slow that process. But it's even more incredible to think of the impact we can have, as you just mentioned, on our children and all the advances of the epigenetic science around how can we improve their quality of life starting at that young age. And I think you have a, have exponential benefit for them than you would for us. Yeah. And I say, I don't mean to lump you in the same category as my 80-year-old body. <laughs> We're pretty close. We're pretty close. No, pretty I simpatico. Don't so. I don't. So. <laughs> but I really enjoyed too. I know that your family is really important to you, and I really enjoyed the story that you shared in the TEDx about how your son inspired you at his very young age at a golf tournament. I thought that was such a special story about how we're not here to play around. We're here to get some good work done. We're here to play the long game, and and to come out ahead. And we really can take inspiration and share it with our younger generation. I thought that was really touching. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it's all about. And I, I share a lot of details of my personal life because I think that it's important for clients to recognize that I practice what I preach and it's all about for me. It's, it's how can I be the best dad that I can be? How can I be the best husband I can be? And that's what drives me every day. And when you're really clear about those goals, it makes their decisions fairly easy. Right. Exactly. And thank you for that. That context is so powerful yeah. because again, I already I said, I feel like a cranky toddler when I'm like, I don't want to go to bed on time. <laughs> But when you've got the whole picture yeah. in view, yeah. those little sacrifices, air mm -hmm. quotes on sacrifices that we have to make, just fall away. They're not as important. Everything is in perspective and you can see, oh, this is why, because right. I want my energy every day, not after I finally get to sleep in on the weekend. That's right. There you go. And so please share with our listeners how they can be in touch with you, learn more. Do you sure. have something uh, available to give them some more insights they can dig in? If you they got choose? it. Sure. Uh, Gap Institute for High Performance Health. You can reach us at gapinstitute.com. I'm going to share with your listeners a special gift. We have a high performance health handbook. It's a guide that will share with you 15 strategies and tactics that you can leverage starting today to solve the issues that most men are complaining of. I want to have more energy. I want to burn fat, build muscle. I want to have better sex. And there are strategies and tactics for men. And there's one for women as well. So the women listeners, please feel free to partake of this as well. Just text the word health to 26786. Again, you'll text health to the number 26786. And you'll get a complimentary copy of our high performance health handbook. I'll also share a digital copy of my book, Mail 2.0, Cracking the Code to Limitless Health and Vitality. And I'll also share with you a link if you want to reach out to my team to see how we can help you. You'll get that as well. Wonderful. Excellent. And I, when we first connected and around about the point of our first interview for the show, I read your book. I was on a flight and I read it in one direction. And it's really digestible. It's full of really important yeah. information. It's a great starting point if you're new to this 
and hopefully you're not at this stage in the game, but if you're just taking a look at what does this mean? What is this holistic approach to well-being? I'm just used to going to see my general practitioner and then maybe a specialist. So how can I change my perspective? So it's a great starting point and all of your resources are so very helpful and empowering. So thank you for making those available. Absolutely. And is there anything else you'd like to share while we're still together with the listeners here, with the men who hopefully now that we're bringing more specific focus to men's health, but also the women who I think have an important role in just kind of reminding them, you know, being that support, but also making things uncomfortable enough to make Abs- change happen. When absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that because without question, the women are the ones who control all healthcare decisions, right? The wives are the ones that get their men. Hey, honey, why don't you go ahead and see a doctor? Why don't you go see someone about that? Guys are, you know, we will wait until the last possible minute. We will never ask for directions. We'll figure it out ourselves. If it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality. We don't have the time to focus on health unless there's a problem. I urge the men out there and I urge the women to help their men think this way is to take a very different perspective and to be proactive and to focus on what can I do to stay ahead of this. And we talked a little while ago about longevity and how it's going to be preventing the chronic disease that's going to help extend health span. It's staying in front of your health before you develop problems because by that point, it's often too late. Yeah, that's the hard thing. That's the hard pill to swallow, right? Is that it's a lot harder to turn the boat around once we're in the health issue. And Mm -hmm. so that's really what I always hope to inspire people to see is that even when we're a little bit uncomfortable or even when we see situations outside of ourselves and our parents, siblings, Mm extended family to get a look and say, that's not what I want for myself. Right. Because, you know, the frogs in the boiling pot, we don't recognize how much we're tolerating sometimes until we can get a fresh perspective. So those, those loving words can really mean everything. Absolutely. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining me again on the show. It's always a treat. I learn something every time. And I'm so glad you came back to join us again and share your insights. Thank and you for so continuing much. the work that you do. I appreciate it, Susie. Always fun to spend time with you. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about living life with less stress and more flow, visit happifiedlife.com. Subscribe on your favorite player to catch the next episode as soon as it's out. Sharing really is caring, so please rate and review the show while you're there. And if you know someone else who would love it, please pass it along. Until next time, my friends, keep on shining.